0: Morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. I imagine even for the 1030 crowd, we're tired. Losing of an hour of sleep last night. I, I get it. But there's one area where God says I don't get it. And he says, let us not become weary in doing good. And one of the ways we just don't ever want to get tired, or one of the areas is in helping others. And we're going to hear more about that from Pastor Matic, who's here with us from Christian Family Solutions. Our order of service is before you and on screen. And at this time, we begin with the duet, The Goodness of Jesus.
1: He satisfied. He is so.
0: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us. Let us confess then our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment, both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in Heaven has been merciful to us. He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave His life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In peace, then, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson is from Isaiah chapter 58. And remember, we're looking at care for people. In the first few verses, this emphasizes the rotten care, the hypocritical care that was in the Old Testament with a lot of people. And then there's a turn about three, four verses in where the Lord intervenes and where repentance and especially faith, where the Lord brings the gift of his miraculous faith in him, now all of a sudden there's a big change and incredible miraculous things come from the people of God. We see that from Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them? and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression with a pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old fountain foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. The word of the Lord. Second lesson from Romans chapter five, where God works faith in people, that miracle. He, He leads us through tough times in life, sufferings, hardships. And he continues to build on that faith and develop us with his gospel strength, especially to have hope in what's coming, we see. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us the word of the lord Thanks be to God. please stand for the gospel Luke 10 serves as a basis for the sermon And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to Christ. Please be seated for the hymn.
2: Good morning. I would like to start this sermon by saying thank you to your pastors and leadership team for giving me this opportunity to proclaim God's word to God's people. And I, of course, do not come to you in my own name, but in the name of the living God, and alive and well God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you're like me, you don't mind hearing an occasional feel-good story. One that I'm about to share with you, I I saw it on a YouTube video years ago. I think you can still find it. The setting was a girls' softball tournament. championship game. In this video, young lady at the plate appears to have hit the winning home run. She's rounding first base starts to limp and then down the ground she crashed with a torn ACL in her knee. And there she lay between first and second. Now the rules state that she herself must touch each base for the run to count and that her teammates may not help her. The opposing players huddled and they made a decision. They went to her side and lifted her up off of the ground. They carried her to second base which she touched. Carried it a third, touched it, brought her home. The run counted, but those who helped lost the game. But they helped the hurting. And that always feels good, does it not? If I might share with you for a moment what it is the ministry I'm connected to does Christian Family Solutions for over 50 years. This ministry has existed for no other reason than to help the hurting. The way in which we help the most hurting people is through our professional Christian counselors. Over 100 certified counselors, 10 of them are doctors, the rest master's level clinicians, operating out of any one of over 50 clinics in seven states. And if they're not helping somebody who drives to the clinic to get the help they need, they're like a lot of people today, they're in front of their laptop, Using technology that's become so familiar to so many of us d- during COVID, is Zoom, offering face-to-face counseling help with some hurting person literally somewhere in the world. Currently, over 800 Wells congregations, including St. Paul, makes use of this service for the hurting people in their congregation. All of our Lutheran high schools, our colleges, our seminary, Friends of Chia, China, Kingdom Workers, and others. What are we helping people with? You name it, and we see it. Anything from anxiety to depression, marital problems, problems with children, problems with parents, problems with loss, grief, loneliness, isolation, substance abuse, and the list goes on and on and on. Hurting people in need of help. Pre-COVID, we averaged about 43,000 hours of counseling per year. Last year, 85,000 hours of counseling. Doubled. People are suffering. And I appreciate your partnership in this ministry and your support for this ministry. But it's one thing to show support and be encouraged by a ministry that has expertise that the average person does not possess. When you stop and think about it, though, helping the hurt is not hurting people. That's not just for experts, that's for all of us, you and me. In the parable of the Good Samaritan that I'm going to talk about this morning, Jesus leaves no doubt in our mind as to what his expectation is for you and me as we live out our life until he takes us home to heaven. He wants us not only to be concerned about the hurting, to feel bad about their situation, he wants us to do whatever we can to alleviate their suffering. And we'll be reminded this morning that God himself gives to you and me both the power and the desire to help hurting people because he has made you and me part of the best feel-good story there ever will be. My suspicion is that you're already pretty familiar with the account of the Good Samaritan. The setting is this. Jesus appears to be teaching a crowd of people and it seems like one gets up and interrupts him. He's called an expert in the law. What's an expert in the law? Well, among other things, he knew the Bible fairly well. I personally think he's kind of full of himself. I try to picture it. stands up. Tell me, teacher. What do I have to do to get to heaven? Jesus kind of turns it right back on the guy and basically says, Well, you're the expert. How about if you tell me? What does the Bible say? And he recites the passage quite well. He says, Well, the Bible says love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And, and love your neighbor as yourself. The response Jesus gives to that false, at first, seems like false doctrine, but of course it's not. Because he tells this guy, buddy, you do that and you're in. What Jesus is getting at is that if this guy was capable of loving God perfectly and loving his neighbor perfectly. Then he would not be among the imperfect who are in need of a savior. He'd be able to get to heaven with his own effort. But of course, like us, he was a sinner, and that was impossible for him, and he had that to learn. My guess is that this guy was like a lot of people are today. I think he had what I call a ladder-climbing approach to getting into God's heaven. What I mean by that is one rung of his ladder, the good things he tried to do. Next rung of the ladder, bad things he tried to avoid. He kept on climbing, kept on striving, and he assumed in his own head that when he got to the top rung of the ladder, that's the day of his death, he'd find himself in front of heaven's door, the door would swing open, and in he would go. It's not how it works, though, is it? Left to himself without a savior, his ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And he had that to learn. I think he began to his own thinking because he comes back at Jesus and he says yeah but tell me who's really my neighbor anyway once again I think he was like a lot of people are today he had a very selective process as to who his friends were going to be uh, the people that looked like him he'd invite into his inner circle people that acted like him as educated as he was maybe people that were as affluent as he was those are the people that he let into his inner circle of friends but he had decided the people outside of his circle, the people over there, they're not really his neighbors. And if they're hurting too bad, I'll be concerned with these only. And so Jesus teaches the classic parable. A man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and suddenly his day goes south. He's jumped by some robbers. They take everything he has, nearly his life, and leave him on the side of the road to die. Two guys, one at a time, come by. They see this poor guy lying there. They probably look really sad, and shook their head, and But they end up tiptoeing around him and going on with their day because they had more important things to do. And these guys should have known better. They're the church-going types, a priest and a Levite. And then you have somebody coming by in his donkey. You would never expect him to stop, and he stops. The Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews did not get along at all back then. But he sees this poor guy lying there. He's got to do something. So he jumps down from his donkey does his best to bandage him up, puts him on his own donkey, walks him into town, checks him into the urgent care facility of their day, stays with him through the night. In the morning, he has to be on his way, so he gives some cash to the innkeeper and says, I will be back. If it costs more than this, we'll settle when I get back. That's the end of the story. And then you have Jesus asking a question. And kind it of turns the question around a little bit. says, yeah, who is a neighbor to the man who fell among Thieves, robbers. The one who showed him mercy, the guy responds. Jesus says, yeah. Now you go do the same thing and forget about that little circle of yours. As I mentioned before, he had a ladder-climbing approach to getting into God's heaven. Without faith, his ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. He's an expert, all right, really going places. It just so happens one of those places at this point in his life is not heaven. It might be a good time in this sermon for you and for me to ask ourselves the question, how does our effort at climbing that ladder look? How has it looked in the past? Are we ever really honest with ourselves? Would you agree with me that there are some days that we would just as soon forget? If only we could forget, right? They still bother us. Times when we, when we withheld love from somebody. Times when we withheld forgiveness from somebody. Times when we un- allowed unwholesome thoughts to rattle around in our head, assuming for a moment they're private, but of course they're never private to God. And I'm sure that on more than one occasion there's been somebody in our life who's really hurting, we felt really bad about their situation. We knew we should do something. But, yeah, you guessed it. We ended up tiptoeing around them and going on with our day because we had more important things to do and we're the church going types left to ourselves our ladder is also leaning against the wrong wall wouldn't you agree but God so loved the world that he actually did something about that didn't he a lot of people can talk a good game when it comes to love or merely have loving thoughts but loving activity takes it to another level God in his love took action. The action that he took was the giving of his dearest treasure. in the person of his son who took on human flesh like you and I have. And then, as a perfect holy son of God. He waded into the sinful murky swamp of humanity. But he maintained his holiness in the process. And that's of vital importance to you and me. And this is why. Because God promises in his word that when you and I believe that his son is our savior. Get this. God chooses to take, to take the perfection of his son the holiness of his son, and he credits it to you and me. The Bible says he clothes us in his son's righteousness, and as a result, God's face shines down upon you and me with love, approval, acceptance, and even admiration. That's a God you and I don't have to be afraid of. Not today, not tomorrow, and not on the day we die. Talk about a feel-good story. And that's only the half of it because not only did God's son live a life of perfection for us, he then eagerly and willingly went to the cross, suffering all the blame and shame for everyone's last sin in the process, winning for you and for me the forgiveness of all of our sins. So that as far as the east is from the west, and that's a very long distance, that's as far as God has removed our transgressions from us. And he promises in his word that when you and I believe that his son has done that for us, he promises to take us to a real, endless, perfect, joy-filled, custom-made heaven. And he has his family back together again. Talk about a feel-good story. And it's real. And it's ours. You might have noticed We're not in heaven yet, are we? There's work for you and for me to do. And the parable of the Good Samaritan reminds us of what Jesus is looking for in the final chapters of our life. And my guess is that everybody in church today has somebody in their life who's hurting, who would benefit from one of us reaching out to that person to show love, compassion, in response to all the love and compassion our saving God provides for us. We see uh, hurting people in our ministry every single day of the week, including Sundays. A couple of years ago, pre-COVID, I was preaching at a Florida congregation. And uh, you have to realize that I have no way of knowing who's getting our counseling help. It's all confidential. It just so happens that after the fact... I found out there was a teenage girl in church that Sunday with her mom. We had been counseling the teenage girl. When I was done with the service, I was greeting people at the back of the church. And here comes mom and daughter. I thought nothing of it. Some more worshipers coming through. Mother shakes my hand. And with the other hand, she slips me a note that she wrote during the service. I opened it later. It read, Thank you. I have my daughter back, and she's also back with the Lord. Help for the hurting. About three or four years ago, I was speaking at a convention on the West Coast. And um, when I was done, a gentleman from the audience who I had never met, once again, who I had no way of knowing, we in fact had been counseling, he introduced himself to me and said, Pastor Maddock, can we speak privately later today. And I said, certainly. Later in the day we found a private place to to talk and he shared his story. He said, I'm married. I have children. I'm the chairman of our congregation. I'm the lay delegate to this convention. And ever since I can remember, I've struggled with same-sex attraction. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm now able to manage this burden in a way that is pleasing to my Lord. Help for the hurting. When I compare the man in the story dying on the road to the, to the expert in the law, I choose in my own head to kind of think, I think the guy dying on the road was actually in better condition. Because we know for a fact the expert in the law was still dead. Spiritually in his transgressions and in his sins. Which leads me to one final story I'd like to share with you. In one of the congregations that I've served in my ministry, uh, there was a member a woman, probably at the time in her mid-30s, so faithful worship, Bible class, service, you name it. A real joy. Something about, about church made her extremely sad. And it was her husband and this is not going to be his real name. I make up a name for him every time I tell this story. I'm going to give him the name Dennis. It's not really his name. Dennis would have nothing to do with church. He was a devout atheist. She was concerned, of course, for him. And she spoke to me on a number of occasions about the fact that he travels so much with work. If something happens to me, is going to be lost eternally. On one occasion, when I visited them at their house, he nearly laughed me out of the house. But a half year or so after that, to my amazement and shock, he began to show up in church with his wife. He made it pretty obvious to everybody that he was not a real willing participant. He did not really want to be there. But he was there. But a half a year or so after that, he stopped at my office unannounced, and after some small talk, he got to his point. He said, Uh, Pastor Matic, that thing you guys hand out at church, I don't even know what you guys call it anyway, a bulletin or something? I said, yeah, that works. Well, it says in there you've got some kind of a information class starting up. Yep. Yeah. I think I might want to take that in. Whoa. I was amazed, shocked. He was a very busy guy and his schedule was not at all compatible with the day and time of the class, so I took him through the class one-on-one. And in this case, it was a 20-week or it's a good hour every week taking a look at what God had to say about everything. When we were done, I said to him, I said, you know, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Could I take the class again? Okay. So we started all over again. We ended up going nearly a year. And when we were done, or at least I assumed we were done, I asked him again. I said, what do you think? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, I'm just thankful I did not die. Click, click, the light of faith had come on. He now knew he needed a Savior and had one in God's Son. I pursued it further with him. I said, in, you know, in the class, we talked about the power of God's Word and how the Holy Spirit uses the Word to give a person faith and to sustain and grow that faith over time. In your case, and tell me if I'm wrong, it just seems to me that something else happened before that helped you to kind of turn the corner and start to investigate God a little bit more. Am I right? And if so, what was it? He thought for a moment, and he said, yeah, you're right. What was it? The crazy members of your church. What what he said. Of course. Of course, I asked him to explain what he meant by that. He said, they were crazy nice. They were crazy nice. That's what he meant by that. He went on to explain even further. He said, Pastor Manic, do you remember what a jerk I was when I first came to church? I wanted to say, oh, yes, I do. Didn't go there. That's not how they treated me, though. They seemed sincerely happy that I was there. He'd break away from conversations they were having with people they knew real well in order to try to strike one up with me. He invited me to come back. Some guys even asked me to go golfing with them. What was that all about? They were crazy nice. And I didn't get it. But I think now I do. You see, he was an expert. Vice president of an international corporation. He was really going places, but until Jesus found him, one of those places was not heaven. He was either hurting and didn't know it or he was hurting and didn't know why. And my guess is that everybody in church this morning has somebody in your life sort of like that. If that person in your life is not taking Jesus very seriously, is that your opportunity to build a bridge of kindness and helpfulness and concern toward that person? So in God's good time, they just might notice what you're doing turn and come walking back toward you over the bridge you will build in order to find out what makes you the way you are. You and I are part of the best feel-good story there ever will be. There are chapters in our story yet to be written. May those chapters include examples of us being good Samaritans, helping the hurting. Amen. Please stand. We'll continue with the Nicene Creed.
0: Amen. Lord Jesus, the work you do in us to fill us with hope and shape us for glory is a miracle. In over 52 years of marriage, Dick and Kathy Knack marvel at your providing and guiding hand and are awed by your grace that strengthened and shaped their own love for each other and brought them to this day. Bless their upcoming anniversary tomorrow and their marriage all their years. We also ask that you watch over Dick Weinhold, as I just heard this morning that he was taken to the hospital with some serious uh, health matters. Watch over our brother. Give him the help in his body that he needs, as well as reassure him in his soul that his needs are taken care of in Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray these things, and now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. In the peace of the Lord be with you always.